Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledger from PewterReport.com, and Scott Reynolds, also from PewterReport.com, is here with me today on a Monday edition of the podcast. Scott, I don't know why, it just feels like it's been a long time since we did a podcast. It also feels like it's been a long time since Todd Bowles has been the Bucks head coach, but it's not even been a week. It's been like five days, Scott. Does it feel long to you? Yeah, it does in some respects. And then, you know, the only podcast that we had to talk about Todd Bowles was really Thursday. And that's the news broke Wednesday night. We'd already done the podcast on Wednesday by then. So Thursday was the only time we've had to talk about Todd Bowles, the head coach. But today, John, we're going to be talking about the draft because it's April and it's sneaking up on us here. And so we're going to be talking about uh, how Todd Bowles may affect the Bucks draft if he does it all. And mm-hmm. some of those prospects that might be there for the Bucks at 27. And, and out of those prospects, which ones might the Bucks target? Yeah, for sure. We're going to start. We'll talk about two things. We'll talk about Tyron Matthew for sure. Is one thing we want to make sure we address at the top of the show. But any potential interest in him for the Bucks. We'll also talk as we go through the draft today about each of the – as we go through, we're looking at options at number 27, basically. Right. That's what we're doing. Yep. And we're looking at those options going position – by position through the class so quarterback when we get there obviously we won't necessarily think bucks are going to draft a quarterback at 27 so we'll move right. pretty quickly through that one but then other positions where there might be multiple players we'll kind of list those players and i have my notepad here and at the end we will basically have drafts the bucks likely draft board as it exists at number 27 based on all the options we see there might be like 20 yeah. players that's a good number to start with but that's kind of what our hope and goal is for this podcast right. to kind of get John- to that point before we get going, though, we have to talk. We've talked about what happened Wednesday night with Todd Bowles becoming the head coach and Bruce Arian mm-hmm. stepping down. On Thursday, during the afternoon uh, podcast, we talked about what Todd Bowles had to say in his press conference and what Jason Light had to say and Bruce Arians had to say. But what I want to know is what Britt Ledyard had to say about Saturday night's Duke versus North Carolina game. That's that's really what I want to know. I mean, you're here, which Listen, is a good sign. You survived. It is a good sign. Yes. As a, as North Carolina won, so as a Dukie, I survived. North right. Carolina won, so that's why I survived. I didn't have any – she's in a great mood. You know, it's, just, it's been a great weekend in terms of the relationship. No question about that. Uh, the night was happy actually life, pretty smooth. Life, for, right? for people who don't know, Britt is a UNC fan. I'm a Duke fan when it comes yeah. to basketball, so – we kind of cheer on to opposite sides of that. And then reading in the final four, it was it was a pretty, pretty big day for our family. So we yeah. actually, we watched the game. Britt and I, the kids were in bed. We have two daughters. Right. Uh, the kids were in bed. And so we watched the game. It was pretty peaceful, honestly. We, it was, a couple of times she tried to talk some trash. Game. And, yeah, it was a great game for sure. Um, and then at the end of the game, it was fun. You know, it's just like, let me just process and digest for a minute and yeah. send a few fire texts out to my friends and, then the right. only other part of it that really mattered was the next morning. <laughs> my five-year-old daughter, Kaylee, has really taken to Duke very quickly. She got a Duke <laughs> oh, shirt, no. and she's taking them very quickly. And obviously, she couldn't stay up late for the game. Yeah. But she asked me who won in the morning, and I said, uh, UNC won. And she cried right. for about five minutes. And she's not much of a crier, so she's quickly yeah. attaching herself to the Blue Devils, I think. But it was well, fun. All, once it got her calmed down, it was definitely a fun matchup. Well, well John, with the game tonight and, and me being a, a Kansas State Wildcat fan – um, you know that I'm going all in on the Tar Heels. And I expect right. you and everybody else out there in, in the Peter people world to to root against KU. If if you are going to root for KU, please leave 
the chat right now. Please log off of the Peter Report <laughs> podcast. This is the only time I'll ever ask that. We want people to to view the Peter Report podcast, to listen, but not if you're a Kansas fan. <laughs> and more, yeah, more importantly, to subscribe. But you're yeah. right, John. If you are a KU Jayhawk, and I almost threw up my, my mouth saying that, but if you are a, a fan <laughs> of the fictional bird that is no, there's no such thing as a Jayhawk. It's actually it's a fictional animal, which is ridiculous. But um, for a, any of you who who want to subscribe to our Peter Report TV YouTube channel, now would be the time, John. Why? Because we're almost at eight thousand subscribers. That's true. We're 24 subscribers away. About a half hour before this pod, I checked. Yeah. We're about 24 subscribers away. So if you could like the channel, spread the word, send the link, all the good stuff, and let people know where they can find the best Bucks content out there because we will be doing this stuff all the way up until the draft. And then, Scott, one of the things I'm most excited about is our draft show is going to be yes. happening this year as well. Three days. Hopefully, we're going to be at the facility. It should be yep. awesome. We should have sound from the Bucks after each of their picks. We're going to be going all out. The squad's going to be there. So it won't just be Scott and I for like 20 hours like it was most <laughs> yes. of last year, although we'll be mostly yeah. on it, you and I. Obviously, right. but there will be lots of other opinions from the Peter Report crew. It's going to be a great time. Um, so definitely make sure you're ready for that. That's going to be all three rounds of the draft. We'll probably yep. go on early before the draft starts each day, but we'll be on for every pick of the draft, including day three of the draft. We'll break it all down. We always pride ourselves on having extensive knowledge of the draft, even as it gets later into the process. So we'll right. be breaking it all down, talking about all of it on the podcast uh, throughout those three days of the draft. It's going to be a ton of fun in our live draft show. We're really excited about that as well. All right, there's a chance for the honey badger, Callie Buck says. Scott says no. No chance, right, Scott? I, I don't think so. Now, yeah. just just to be clear, could he help the Buccaneers? Could Tyron Matthew help the Buccaneers? Of course he could. He's a versatile defensive back who's probably a better strong safety fit than, than Logan Ryan is, and he can also play in the slot. If you go back and look at, at exactly where Tyron Matthew played last year in Kansas City, he had 438 snaps in the box, 206 as a slot corner, 280 as a free safety. That's important because Todd Bowles likes to rotate those safeties, and sometimes you'll see Antoine Winfield down in the box, Jordan Whitehead playing free, and then you would also uh, see the, the opposite of that. So that's one of the ways the Buccaneers like to disguise is with versatility. Tyron Matthew certainly could fit that. He also has played in Todd Bowles' system out there in Arizona. The Bucks, or I should say the Cardinals drafted him. Jason Light was the guy doing the point work on all of the background check for Tyron Matthew. And, and people may not know this. I think pretty much a lot of people do by now, but – Todd Bowles is Tyron Matthews' father-in-law. His stepdaughter married Tyron Matthews. So mm -hmm. uh, there's a family connection there, which makes things interesting. But, John, where where I, I don't really see the fit is financially. I mean, you look at the last contract that, that Matthew signed, and he's 30 years old right now, but that he signed in Kansas City. Uh, I mean, he had a cap value of $19.7 million, and that came with a 14 $0.55 million base salary last year as Tyron, or I should say, as Todd Bull said uh, in his his uh, address to the the local media after his press conference, uh, we asked him about uh, Tyron Matthew, actually J.C. Allen from Peter Report did, mm -hmm. and he laughed and said, we we can't even afford Ndamukong Sue right now. Uh, we are probably don't have enough for Tyron Matthew or something to that effect, but 
I think he was kind of yeah. putting the, the priority and the emphasis on getting Sue back in the fold first. Yeah. It was interesting because then Bulls went on the radio on Friday and he yeah. basically was like with Ronnie and T-Crass and our boys in the morning. And yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, we're not rolling out any options. Like he's a great player that could definitely help us. And it's like yeah. that's a totally different tone. I mean, we know, you yes. know, but for fans, it's like, oh, this sounds hopeful. You know, that, right. that's you know, he could easily, but he could easily dismiss it and didn't. So, I mean, that's why the fire stays up. But yeah, you and I have just kind of never really thought this was a process. The signing of Logan Ryan probably made it even less of a priority. So, yeah, it just seemed very unusual right. in a way that wasn't going to happen. And Matthew has had reported interest, like calls or visits or Zooms or whatever it is. I don't know yeah. the extent of it, but it, it, actual concerted effort and in, in interest from about 10 different teams that have been reported. Right. The Bucs have not been one of those teams. So it would be a very surprising thing. And, and again, if they hadn't made a move, maybe they do pop off their last minute once they clear some money and if something yeah. changes. But right now, I think their priorities are elsewhere. No reason to think Cali Bucks still take a family discount at this I point agree. in his career. That'd have to be he a steep family see. discount. I mean, yeah, he's not even 30. He's not even 30 yet. So. Yeah. He's yeah, he'll ready. be 30 later this year, correct? Yeah. Right. So uh, he's not he, ready for that portion. Just call. We have a huge trade, by the way, that just happened. Go ahead, address okay. this, and then we have a huge I was going to say, Stan Parrish passed away. Uh, former, um, not just Kansas State coach, but also Marshall coach, Ball State, I believe uh, he coached there. Um, he was Tom Brady's quarterback's coach at uh, at Michigan and also was the Bucks' quarterback's coach in 2002 during the Super Bowl run under John oh, wow. Gruden. So – Stan Parrish was the coach before Bill Snyder came to K-State. So uh, I've, I've got you know a little bit of connection there just for with my Midwestern roots. But at the same time, he was here in Tampa Bay helping John Gruden, Brad Johnson, and, um, and, and the Buccaneers win their first Super Bowl. So condolences go out to the family and friends of Stan Parrish. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Okay, huge trade, Scott, that is happening here. Very weird trade. Um, the Eagles and the Saints are trading picks. The Eagles, are, I've no, I don't think I've seen a pick like no players. This is only draft picks have been exchanged. No players. Very weird. The Eagles are receiving the 18th pick in this year's draft, which was the Saints wow. pick. Yeah, the Saints are receiving the 16th and the 19th pick. So the Saints basically added a first round pick uh, at number 19. They were at 16 already, I believe. Is that right? They were at 16. I believe they were at 19, or maybe they were. Or maybe they were at eight. No, I I'm, I have it right now. I'm working on it. They were at 18. Okay. They were at 18. Okay. Yeah. They yeah, switched right. spots. They moved up one spot and then added the 16th pick, basically. Gotcha. So they move up a spot and add the 16th pick. Um, so the Eagles give those up. Then the Eagles get back and the Saints got a sixth rounder, number, number 194. Right. Then the Saints, the then the Eagles had the 18th pick now. Yes. And they had what? They had 18 and they had 15 too, right? 15. But they have 15 and 18 now. The Saints yes. have 16 and 19. Then the Eagles also got uh, the 101st pick in the draft, third round pick, late third rounder, right? Like a comp third rounder. That's that's a comp pick there. And then uh, the 237th pick in the seventh round, and they got a 2023 first and a 2024 second from the Saints. So the Saints gave up their 2023 first in order to add another first round pick in this year's draft and move up one spot essentially from 18 to 19. Or Oh, what back one spot? Excuse me. You know what? Yeah, they were at eighteen. They moved back to nineteen. So they moved back one spot and then added the sixteenth pick in the draft. So uh, I don't know what the play is here. Yeah. Maybe why out in Charles Cross? That could be. I'm working on my mock right now, which is coming out tomorrow right. morning, and I just did the sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth picks, <laughs> and this happened, Scott. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing over. about this particular trade is 
you've got to keep in mind that Dennis Allen's a first-year coach with the Saints, right? And in the NFL, it's what have you done for me lately, right? It, it is it is a win-now business. We have seen coaches mm-hmm. get fired after one year. We have seen coaches get fired after two years. So if I'm Dennis Allen, yeah, I, I don't care about the pick a couple of years from now because I might not be here in 2024 for that second-round pick or – I would like to think he's going to be here for the, the 2023 first round yeah. pick, but why not speed up the development of your team and of your draft picks by getting those picks now? I'm kind of surprised that more teams don't actually do this, given, mm-hmm. especially in this scenario, because you know it's it's not a top 10 pick, but it's it's 16. You're getting a, a, a pick in the, the first half of the draft. It, it's an interesting move. It is an interesting move. I don't think I like it for the Saints, to be honest with you, Scott. Here's why I don't like it. Again, I'm just processing everything very quickly on the fly here. I don't really like it because you gave up another third this year. I know it's a late third, but another third this year, a first and a second. And you did it in a window where you are not a win-now team. Like, you may think you are correct because you feel like you have enough talent, but the Saints are not a Super Bowl contender this year. They're just not. Like, there's several teams better than them. They've got the 16th pick and the 19th pick in a class that I don't think is great at the top, but is right. good for depth and wide receiver. Charles Cross could be there. They, they could very much well add two good players with these yeah, picks. It sounds I'm like trying to disparage that. That's what but, they're trying to, to do accomplish is get a, a yeah a tackle. And maybe and they love a quarterback in this class, Scott. Maybe they do. <laughs> maybe they're gearing up, adding another first rounder to be able to potentially move up or grab Malik Willis if he slides or one of these guys if they slide and then still grab a wide receiver or something. I'm not totally sure what the plan is here because these picks yeah. are not at the top of the draft where those trades right. normally happen. These are kind of like rearranging the middle of the draft, right? In the middle of the first Well, round. at the same time, the Saints might not be done either, right? I mean, they might not be done, correct. <laughs> you know? What moves are there to make out there that are left? I really don't know. I know. Um, I, yeah, especially that a first round pick would do for yeah. you, especially at positions they need. I'm not sure. Maybe the they do want to give one of these picks for for a player. I don't. Know. Yeah, maybe maybe they do. The interesting thing would be if they do select a quarterback, right? And you're Jameis Winston, <laughs> and you've already seen them sign Andy Dalton, right? And yeah. and then if they were to draft a quarterback too, I mean, they're just giving up on Winston before the season even starts. It would, it would seem. But we'll now, see what they, what they do on draft. I'm trying to think, but I believe the Saints do not have now any picks in the first round of 2023. I don't think they had two trade, just traded one, right? They just had one, I believe. I believe that's the case. Yes. So they just traded their first round pick for 2023, which is probably going to be a better quarterback class when they probably need it. That would probably have been somewhere in the middle of the first round pick. Yeah. We'll see, obviously, what that is. At ends the up same being. time, though, John, that's risky. A lot of times when you draft a quarterback, unless you do it in the first year, you rookie quarterbacks are usually coach killers. They just are, right? Sure, that could be the case. No question there. But I I look at it also this way, just in terms of let's assume that the Saints, who obviously are probably not going to be like a quick trigger, the fire type of team in this situation with with Allen. But even if it is, let's it's not even a quarterback. Just in general, giving up another first round in order to have two in this class, giving up another first rounder and giving up a second, and a third, that seems like a lot to give up to me to add a first round pick in this class, which I just don't see any game changers and a non-win now window. So it's probably not yeah. super consequential. It does seem like an unusual kind of trade. Like they really like this class when everybody else has been like, not yeah. a great class. Like it's I'm a with you. Weird. Yeah, Same it trade. really, this, this is a draft that we've had and Matt Matera and I went down to the uh, NFL owners meeting at, at the West Palm Beach breakers and we, we talked to several 
head coaches, personnel people that that have said that this is a second, third, and fourth round draft. That the the meat of the draft, the real value is mm. is really day two. That's that day two yeah. in the beginning of day three, and they're just not that many game changers in the first round. The player that you're going to draft at 12 is not going to be much different mm. than the player at 22 or even 32, really. Right. And so it's an interesting trade. Uh, we don't see that happen very often. That's no, a very we weird trade, like where yeah. it's all picks like that. Here's the one thing I'll say. The best thing the Bucs can hope for is that the Saints are trying to package 16 and 19 to move up for a quarterback in the draft and select one this year because it would mean that they don't get any better this season. Yeah. And it would be a huge risk, in my opinion, because I just do not think the quarterbacks in this class Right. are worth that kind of impact. But right now, the Saints have those two picks, 16, 19. They still have 49 in the second round this year. They didn't give up any other picks this year other than that third-round mm-hmm. comp pick, and they have 98 still right. at the end of the third you round know, as another comp pick. So. It's and interesting. they'll go get a comp pick back for arms. Right. It's interesting because you're right. talking – well, yeah, but with the Dalton thing, the Dalton um, – oh, Did it negate Armstead? That's what I was just trying to remember. Yeah, I, I think signing Dalton oh, would negate Armstead, why? which is crazy. I yeah. saw Nick Corte tweet that. Now I remember. Why yeah. is that? The, that is so stupid. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> Dalton's like, there's not even outside. Like, I, the Falcons did this with Lorenzo Carter, who, like, right. you know, it's not a good move for sure, but you're the Falcons and you have no hope of anything in the near future right now. And <laughs> Lorenzo Carter's still young. Like, he could. Yeah hypothetically be good some you know right. it's still possible but dalton what is that that does not you literally just signed a backup quarterback for an well i mean he might be quarterback. your starter if james resorts to throwing it yeah but then you're just bad all that. yeah then you're know. just bad it's exactly yeah. yeah um it's interesting because you mentioned quarterbacks and you know late last week ryan griffin was was signed um i've, I've got it on pretty decent authority that the buccaneers are still pursuing blaine gabbert which which i know delights uh pretty much everybody in in the pewter report chat including mm-hmm. myself yeah so just just to to be clear about that but the interesting thing is is the now people the, can sleep that's good well yeah of course yeah i mean i wouldn't have made it through the weekend if i didn't know the answer to that right and and, right. and, and so you know problem solved but the jets are releasing ryan griffin not the bucks quarterback because they're, they're not allowed mm-hmm. to do that but they have their own ryan griffin and he's a tight end they're releasing him saving three million in cap space He's a nine-year veteran, 70 catches for 667 yards and seven touchdowns in his three seasons with the Jets. And it would be interesting if the Buccaneers signed him because then they would have two Ryan Griffins, two Griffs. And the Jets might might have seen this coming and because they have their, their own Michael Carters. They have two Michael Carters. They actually drafted yeah. two Michael Carters, both Michael Carters in the draft class of last year. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. This is I'm ready to get into it a little bit here. Now that you're talking about the Let's Jets, it. it brings me back to our original premise here Let's with do Todd it. Bowles. And does he impact this draft? Before we look at each position and go through all the options that are going to be available to the yes. Bucs at 27, we're going to talk about does Todd Bowles impact this draft class. But before we do that, Scott, got to shout out our friends over at Celsius because they are the title sponsors of today's podcast, Celsius Energy Drinks Power and Activate Lives every day for essential functional energy folks and it comes in a variety of awesome flavors essential energy accelerates metabolism burns body fat no sugar a bunch of unbelievable flavors including the peach vibe that i'm enjoying today i've been on a peach vibe kick lately i think i had peach vibe for every pod last week 
probably will this week. I'm vibing well, too, perhaps. John. I've got the tropical <laughs> vibe is what I drank today. That's another that's another top flavor for sure. You can check out all these awesome flavors at Celsius.com. Use the store locator, find out where they sell them near you, or click on the banner ads at pewterreport.com and do the Amazon subscribe and save option. Get them coming to you with regularity as well. Great stuff from our friends over at Celsius. All right, does Todd Bowles impact this draft class for the Bucks, Scott? I say no. I think that they've already been far enough in the draft process that they have kind of their board established. He has been focused on the defensive side of the ball. He will yeah. certainly contribute to any picks that they make on the defensive side of the ball with his knowledge. He'll watch the offensive players, but I think he trusts this draft, especially Arians, Lights, Bytech, all those guys to do what they do best. He'll have a say in things, but I don't think it's going to – greatly determine who they draft or change any major philosophies this season i don't i don't think it, it will either at the same time he is a, a defensive minded coach and he will have more say so now than than bruce arians would right and jason light is the buccaneers draft maven he is the one that will be making the picks jason does like to have consensus and not just with john spytek and mike beal spytek is the vice president of, of player uh, player personnel, and Mike Veal is the director of college scouting. So he wants to have those people involved as well, but then certainly the head coach. They want to have everybody on the same page. And so even if they draft, say, a wide receiver, it's going to have Todd Bowles' stamp of approval. And and that's one thing that Bruce Arians will be doing alongside Jason Light and Mike Veal is getting Todd Bowles up to speed on some of these offensive players. We do think this has the possibility of being – a defensive-minded draft, and and why not? There's still a couple of holes right now. There's a, a pretty decent chance that that they re-sign Indomitian Sue. That they they definitely need another defensive tackle. Uh, a veteran certainly like Sue would would certainly help out. He's had six sacks the last two years. He's instrumental in stopping the run. And this is just not a great class of defensive tackles. We'll talk about some of those guys that could be there at 27 for the Buccaneers. But there was another player too. Uh, that we've we've talked about, and that's that's Lewis Seen, the mm-hmm. the safety from Georgia, who was in our last Pewter Report seven round mock draft, which came out uh, about ten days ago, and we'll have a new Pewter Report mock draft, our fourth one later this week. But that could be a player right there, or a position like defensive tackle, where Ty Bowles uh, gets the chance as a head coach to stand up on the table and say, "Yes, let's get this guy." So right. I, I think that he, by the fact he's a head coach, he's going to have more say-so, but is it going to fundamentally alter the Bucks' plans of the draft? I don't think so. Right. I think they're kind of all on the same page probably. When a roster's this in this kind of structured already as it is, right. it's pretty easy for everybody, I think, to get on the same page. We have good players at this position, this position, this position. Yeah. We probably don't have any crying needs. We're going to look at who the best players available are. You know, I think that generally speaking, they'll probably be like, oh, we both like this player. 27, it's not like at the top of the draft where there's like right. three elite players and you yeah. have to all decide which one you like the most. It was probably a lot harder in the Devin White class. This class, I, I you know, I just really feel like they're probably going to be a consensus of 27. And Bulls isn't going to feel strongly enough, most likely, in my opinion, in this yeah. class. He's not going to feel strong enough to want to like push back or overrule anyone in the class. But that's just my opinion. We won't know because yeah. we're not necessarily inside the war room, but it is worth just mentioning there. All right, Scott. Let's uh, we're going to go through each position, kind of, and 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 talk about how these players kind of stack up, and then we'll kind of get to your questions on each position. If you guys have them, I see a question on Gronk in there. We'll get to that in a second, William, when we get to tight end. But right. let's just start with quarterback. These are just options at yep. number twenty-seven overall. 
looking just at first round possibilities for the Bucks. All we're trying to narrow down the board of not what we want to do necessarily, but what we think the team will yeah. do. That number twenty seven. We don't think they'll draft a quarterback, Scott. Correct. But if they do, we both kind of believe that it would be Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter if they if we had to pick one. Yes, he just fits what the Buccaneers like to do, which is throw the ball down the field. It's a vertical based um, uh, attack. He's got production as a as a four year starter. He's he's got enough size to be in the pocket, but he does have some escapability, mobility, and he's he's an accurate quarterback. So I I agree with you. I I look at some of these other quarterbacks, the Sam Howells. I think Kenny Pickett will, will not be in play. I think he'll probably go to Carolina in the top ten. Let's um, hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> Malik Willis. I uh, I just don't see him being a scheme fit. He does have a strong arm, but he is not accurate downfield. And uh, and so I, I believe that if they're going to draft a quarterback, and the the only argument you could make for that would be just to hedge your bets, right? You know that Tom Brady is more than likely playing his last season at Tampa Bay. You mm-hmm. will have Kyle Trask, maybe Blaine Gabbard in the mix next year. If you want to hedge your bets against one or both of those players and put another young guy in the mix and say between Desmond Ritter and Kyle Trask and – and Blaine Gabbert, one of those three is going to be the guy post Brady, then maybe that's the argument for that. But uh, it seems like for two years in a row, it would be a wasted pick, a wasted premium pick on a quarterback position that's just not going to see the field this year with Tom Brady. Yeah, we don't don't need to spend a ton of time on quarterback. You know, I barely even watch quarterbacks in this class, and I probably won't honestly watch much. It just takes too much time in film study for a position that you and I just don't think they're going to. Right. Take it 27 at least. Uh, running back in this class. Again, some running backs we like. We get to doing second, third, fourth round analysis. Fifth, yeah. you know, you get later in the class. Maybe we're talking about running backs for the Bucs. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Um, but in the first round, we can pretty quickly agree, I think, that yeah. this would be shocking to see them take a running back. Especially with Leonard Fournette coming back. He is going to be the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, have it on strong authority. The Buccaneers loved Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Uh, coming out of Wisconsin, right? They did not spend their first round pick on him, and they, 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 you know, pick Werfs. Th- yeah, they they pick Werfs. I mean, that was a no brainer, right? It, and the thing is, is is you look at the second round, and maybe that's where Jason Light has entertained that notion before with Ronald Jones. Although there were three second round picks the year that Jones was drafted, so I just don't see them drafting. A running back in the first round this year, even if it's a Brees Hall or whoever, I, I'm sure there won't be any running backs taken before 27. But with Leonard Fournette in the fold, I don't think it makes much sense. Yeah, agreed. It's not going to happen. Uh, wide receiver, though, however, we talked about this already a lot last yeah. week, so people can go back and listen to that podcast. I believe it was Wednesday last week. We yeah. talked a ton about the wide receivers in this class and which ones we think fit the Bucks the best. We are going to try and narrow that focus down a little bit, although we mentioned a bunch of names and we went in depth on that pod. We won't go in depth today because we're going to spend more time on some of these other positions. And we already did this one. So let's just say for, do you think it's fair, Scott? Let's assume that Drake London and Garrett Wilson are off the board. Can we assume yes. that? Yes. Okay. Let's assume those two are off the board. We would put Traylon Burks on this board for sure for the box. Right. Correct. Yeah. And there's been a lot of, of talk that, that, that maybe, Dallas, it would be in the mix there. You always have sure. to factor in Jerry Jones. In fact, he's an Arkansas Razorback alum, played at Arkansas in, in college. And they need a wideout. They need a wideout, and he certainly seems like that would be a, a Dak Prescott kind of guy. So uh, I would love to see Traylon Burks even be an option at 27, 
right? But I just yeah. don't know that that's going to be the case. That's really the, the story. Like, is he even going to be on the board at 27? Yeah. I don't think either of us think that he will be. It's just right. the tape is too good. Like, yeah. I know that there doesn't seem to be that much buzz about him, but I just still think the tape is too good. So, there's there's a there's a, a couple of teams prior to Tampa Bay at 27 yeah. that I could just see snagging him. And, oh, yeah. And Dallas is one of those at, I think, 24. Yeah. Yeah, and now the Saints have added, and you know they were the yeah. Eagles could have taken a wide receiver with any of their picks, but now the Saints have two, and the Eagles have two, and they yeah. both could take wideouts. And I we already talked about the Packers and Chiefs. Do not want to see Traylon Burks in the NFC South unless it's computer <laughs> in red. I'm just saying that right now. I really think he's a beast, but um, yeah, Chris Olave is one we definitely see on the Bucks board. Mm-hmm. You and I, have, we've you know some will it fit? Will it, but in terms yeah. of what the Bucks, he'll be on the board. I think for the right. Bucks. Um, other first round wide receivers that will be on the board for the Bucs, in your opinion, that are not those four. Yeah. I I've talked I, about I, Christian Watson. Yeah. Do you think in the first round that's a legitimate I, I, possibility? I don't. People know that. You do though. Yeah, I I, I think Put that this this is where where we kind of disagree a little bit. He is a projection at the same time. I, I think the benefit of 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 him coming to Tampa Bay is he's not a day one starter. He is number four on the depth chart. This team has Mike Evans. They've got Chris Godwin. They've got Russell Gage. They've got players that can come in as veterans and, and start at one, two, and three. And this is a player that can help out on special teams, help out on kick returns while he's learning how to play split end, while he's learning how to play flanker, while he's learning how to play split in, or a slot receiver. I think he, he has the size and the speed to be able to, to play all three of those. And maybe the Buccaneers find the right fit for him at one of those spots in mm-hmm. in camp or the preseason, but his athleticism is is such. And listen, he's a gadget player too. We saw Byron Leftwich like to use those end arounds. We even saw Mike Evans and Chris Goblin have end arounds of back to back plays mm-hmm. in the opening drive against the Giants. So wide receiver screens, end arounds. You could use him in a gadget way during his rookie season. He's from Tampa, I believe, mm-hmm. although he has not. Uh, there hasn't been any reports, but I would have to assume that he will be yeah. coming in to, as as one of those local visits to one buck place. So right. I I think Seems that's pretty be safe. Yeah, you know, pretty much everybody local comes in, so it would yeah. be pretty weird if he didn't. Um, right. Yeah. So okay. So I really don't think Christian Watson is going to be a first round pick. I've kind of gone over it on Wednesday. Show people can go yeah. back and listen. I think it's a cerebral position. I think his traits are great, and the Bucs would probably love to draft him. I just don't think they'll consider it a 27. So we kind of disagree on that one. We'll put him on the board, though, because you think he will be there. Right. So we have wide receivers on a board, but we have serious doubts about Willis. I have a doubt that they'll consider Watson there. We both doubt the Burks will be there. Olave could be a sweet spot, but also he could be gone, too. So wide receiver, but some question about who's going to be available maybe at wide receiver. Any other wideouts you want to put in that? I mean, Jamison Williams is the one we haven't talked about. Yeah, I think he'll get drafted before them from what the buzz sounds like. But I, just, I also I just, don't know if the Bucs would take it. Yeah, I just I think that knee injury disqualifies him. If he's going to be ready during his rookie season, it'll be at midseason. The Buccaneers already have Chris Godwin coming off of 20 ACL. I don't think they want to invest another draft pick in a player coming off of, a, of an ACL injury. And, John, as you mentioned, can't remember the last time the Buccaneers have drafted a player with, with a real recent injury concern. I just yeah. don't think that's Jason Light's M.O. Agreed. It seems like it would not be the way that he would prefer to go, especially considering the window. I don't think he's going to sacrifice the future for the window they're in now. Right. I think he's, consi- I mean, it's, you got to consider everything. I think when you're in this position and also just Williams is not that complete of a player. And I think they want some little more versatility, but I agree. I don't know. Alave's 
I don't think that versatile either. So we'll see what happens. But that's kind of our board there. Burks, Olave, Watson is kind of who we have there that the Bucs might consider that we think is going to be available. Tight end. Will they consider a tight end in the first round? I know it's a later first round pick. You're still, it's going to be a hard sell for me for any of these yeah. tight ends. But clearly, I think if they went there in the first round, the only option would be Trey McBride. This is crazy early to go Kate Otten or one of these other guys they've shown interest in. I, I think so too. The, the only thing that's that's intriguing about Trey McBride is the fact that he caught 91 passes last year. I mean, the, the game plan every week for their opponents was stop Trey McBride, and a lot of teams couldn't. Now, he played at Colorado State, so it wasn't like he was playing in the SEC. But I just think mm -hmm. that this is a, a player who has – proven that he can be a focal point of the offense. He's that big of a weapon at the tight end position. Uh, he's not a crazy athlete, though, right? In terms of, of his athleticism, he's he's good. But yeah. O.J. He, Howard... He got the pro day fudged combine, or pro day fudged 40 and didn't run at the combine. So I, yeah. He's fine yeah. athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete, yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, is is, is you look at, at O.J. Howard coming out of Alabama. He was a much mm -hmm. better athlete, right? Bigger right. size, speed. I mean, he he killed it athletically. So that's why he was drafted, I believe, at 17 or 19 in the first round by Tampa 19, Bay. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can I can see the Buccaneers drafting Trey McBride if he was a O.J. Howard-esque figure in terms mm -hmm. of his size and athleticism. But he's kind of pedestrian in that realm. And so despite the production and listening, he had 91 catches, he only had one touchdown last year. So he wasn't even like a huge red zone threat where you could you could uh, have some of those mismatches, right? I mean, Jelani Woods, not that you're going to draft him in the first round, but at 6'7", 270 pounds, he's the mismatch down the field seam guy, kind of in that Rob Gronkowski vein. So I'm with you, John. I don't think they're going to draft the tight end if they would. It would be this guy, and I think it would be a reach, certainly at 27. Agreed. I don't think – I think both of us kind of put this in the Desmond Ritter situation, right? Like yeah. if they draft one, this is the guy who we think it'll be, but we don't really think it'll draft him. So we'll put him off to the side. And right now we just have three wideouts on the board, and we have questions about two of them. So right. it's a thin board on the offense, and we'll get it a lot heavier when it gets to the defensive side. Offensive yeah. tackle, they're not going to draft an offensive tackle. And, Correct. You know, if Charles Cross is there, that would – you know. but again, I don't think he's going to fall that far. I just don't see a tackle in any form. I don't think these guys project you know, project guard type of move either. I mean, right. am I wrong? Like that? I don't know that I see no, it with any tackle. I, I think I think there's a, a couple of guards that the Buccaneers could yeah. consider in the first round oh, yeah. that, that have played tackle, but they're going into this draft as guards, whereas you know some of the other later first round tackles are still projected to be tackles in the NFL. And I just don't see the Bucking. I don't see Jason Light drafting a tackle and then making them a guard in the first round. You can do that in third round with Robert Hainsey, but mm -hmm. I just don't see that that happening in the first round. Yeah, William with the five dollars super chat. What's going on with Gronk? Nothing new really there. He's still just yeah. thinking, considering his options, and trying to figure out if he wants to come back or not. I, you know, we kind of said all along we don't think he's playing for anybody other than the Bucks. It's just a matter whether he wants to keep playing or not so they'll just stay in touch with them and when he makes a decision they'll resign him that's uh, yeah. if he wants to play that's pretty much that simple um somebody right. asked uh john how is seen in man coverage we only see a little bit of it not a lot of yeah. not a lot of safeties playing you know that are actually deep safeties that are stepping down into man right. in college but he does do some of it he did something against alabama i thought he looked 
great at it. There will be you know, bigger and tougher challenges in the NFL for sure for him, but all the traits are there for, for Lewis seen. We'll talk more about yeah. him in a second, I think, but yeah, there's there, offensively, this is thin, but you mentioned guard. Let's just finish it off on the offensive side. We don't really think they'll draft a center, but two guards that we could see them drafting at the end of the first round, potentially yeah. Kenyon green from Texas A&M and then Zion Johnson from Boston college. You and I like Zion Johnson. I'm a huge Zion Johnson fan. Yeah, me I think too. his tape is outstanding. Um, you know, just pretty much everything you want at the position, good athlete in space, physical, great athleticism in the testing, great at the podium. I think he's going to interview great size, physicality, aggressiveness, all of it that you want. But then the pad level and technique are too. I don't know expert about him. He was the big difference. Kenyon Green could be a freak down the road, I guess. But right now, there's just no comparison in terms of technique. And I completely agree with that. After I was before I watched him, then I watched yeah. him. I was like, yeah, they're not in the same league right now, in my opinion. Green yeah. could be a really good player. The body needs some work, I think. He has experience at tackle. He did survive on his tools pretty well in college. But you can see how often he bear hugs guys. It's going to yeah. get called for holding. He's got to get mm -hmm. his hands inside more. Got to use his length better. Keep guys out of his frame. A lot of size and athleticism wins in college, but that's tough to come by in the NFL. I still think his upside is, is really good. He's a yeah. fine player. I wouldn't want him at 27, but it, I think right. the Bucs will consider him. Yeah, I think so too. The interesting thing about, about him and his body is is the Buccaneers, they've had some some sloppier bodies in the past, right? Donald Penn comes to mind, Frank Middleton, the old guard. Uh, Don, Donovan Smith has also been a little heavy at times as well, but – if you if you notice over the last couple of years, Donovan Smith has really kind of trimmed down and has shown even more athleticism as a result of that. And you look at Ryan Jensen, who's been pretty trim for a center. Ali Marpet certainly has never been a, a guy that had a sloppy body. The same could be said with Tristan Wirfs and and Alex Kappa needed to gain some some size, especially in his trunk and lower area, to move from tackle to guard at this level. But you just don't see that type of body in Tampa Bay where it's hot and humid yeah. and the Bucks like to go up tempo. You just wonder, you know, yeah. is, is, is he in shape quick? <laughs> yeah, you do. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And he's played all over the line, I believe. And now I'm trying to remember exactly. He's how played many four spots on the line. Every place but center, right? I, that's I, I believe that's the case. Yes. Yeah. And Zion's has some experience too moving around. He's played tackling guard as well. Right. So and he played both center those guys at, fit at the, the senior bowl too. Took some he played, Yeah. There. He played some center at the senior bowl, took his first snaps there. He said that was weird, but he got used to it as the week went on. He said at, at the combine. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think both guys clearly fit the box MO. Like it, it, no surprise. They've I've had some level of interest in them and, and yep. looked at them. Um, yeah, we'll see whether they feel passionate enough to pull the trigger. But right now, those are two offensive guys that I would have kind of at the top of the board. So we finished right. the offensive side of the ball here, Scott. And we have nobody basically other than Traylon Burks, if he's there, Chris Olave, and you have Christian Watson on there. Yep. And then we have Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green. So we really expect it to be a defensive pick. We yeah. we, we think there's and some Todd exceptions if guys get there, but it looks like it'd probably be a defensive pick. Yeah, John Todd Bowles likes that. He likes that a lot. Yeah, Todd doesn't smile much, but he's smiling right there. That's a Todd. He's Bowles looking smile. at the, he's looking at the board right now and seeing, wow, yeah. no offensive players up there. I like yeah. that. He's All right, let's talk about John it. edge defender. I know exactly what they're talking about. I'm going to draft the defensive player. <laughs> I realized that on Thursday we were going to get a lot of Todd Bowles impersonations on the pod. Now that he's the head coach, even more than we did before. Uh, edge defenders in this class that the Bucks could consider. I don't know that they'll go for a true 
just edge defender, but there could be some hybrid types that interest them. Probably only one that I see at 27. I don't know if I would say it's a strong fit, but boy, Mafe from yeah. uh, Minnesota. Maybe, Scott. Um, his ability to kick inside, rush off the edge, super explosive, great athlete, character checks the box. They've obviously drafted for Minnesota before. Yep. I do like to look at that because I think it shows schools sure. that the GM has a level of comfortability with what LSU, he's heard about these players Auburn, from the people there. Yes, exactly. To mind. So I do think some of those things matter. I Obviously, just to go through the edges real quick, don't think Thibodeau will be there or Hutchinson, Jermaine right. Johnson. I guess there's an outside shot, uh, but I, I don't it. really yeah. think he's going to be there. Well, because he's in, I don't think we consider right now at the point. Um, plus, I don't know that the fit would be there anyway. Trayvon Walker will be gone. Uh, we don't see George Karloftis as a fit for them. Um, I don't think Ebikite in the first round, at least. Uh, so I think that narrows the group pretty considerably to just yeah. Mafe. I don't know that I see another right. edge fit unless and, you disagree. It, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. And in the case for Mafe, if they do go that route, is it goes back to what Bruce Arians said. You know, he's not the coach anymore, but trust me, Todd Bowles yeah. probably put this in his ear. They want it to have a more a quicker, uh, explosive nickel rush package, right? And last year with Jason Pierre-Paul's shoulder injury, that really hampered them because Jason Pierre-Paul was that guy that kicked inside in 2018, 2019 to, to get that, that interior rush going. And Jason or, or I should say Joe Tryon Shoinka, their first round pick last year, had to do that and be that guy. In, in, in a lot of ways, Boye Mafe is, is not a carbon copy of Joe Tryon Shoinka, but he's kind of close in the fact that he's 6'5", 265 pounds, can play His inside. His body looks different, but the, what was, did Tryon Shoinka, what did he come in at weight-wise? 265. 265. Wow. That, yep. I mean, Tryon just looks so much. He's taller, Tryon, I'm sure, yep. right? 6'5 well, to 6'3. Is that the difference? I, I think so. Yeah. He just uh, seems so much longer and like yes. thinner to me than, than Mafe. Mafe is right. thick. Like, he is. Yeah, but but he's he's fish. got that Energizer Bunny style yes. play that JTS exactly. has. Yeah. So there's a little bit of carbon copy there that you can kind of say, hey, having another JTS is not necessarily a bad thing, especially with nickel rush packages because we could have Vita Vea in there pushing the center with, with Mafe inside or JTS inside of Mafe on the outside opposite Shaq Barrett, or you go in Dominica Sue inside a defensive tackle instead of Vita Vea along with those three um, uh, pass rushers. And that really helps get some quickness and the ability to get to the quarterback a little faster in nickel rush. So you could be getting a, a versatile player there. Remember if they don't resign Jason, Pierre Paul, which we don't think that they're going to. Now all of a sudden, right. Cam Gill is your number four outside mm-hmm. linebacker, and he really is just a DPR, designated pass rusher, and he brings yeah. special teams value. But but that's it. And Anthony Nelson, who mm-hmm. who came on last year, especially late, is your number three, but he's in a contract year. So yeah, and it's just a better defensive class, right? And it's a better defensive class than it is offensive class. I just I don't think that there's. That's really much of a hot take, I mean, at this point. So they could look at these edge rushers, but it seems like some of them are going to be gone. Somebody will fall through the cracks. We're just trying to go best off what we know now. You know, and, and right. obviously if a Jermaine Johnson falls, you know, yeah. we'll, you know, there won't be any surprise on our part if the Bucks take him. We're just trying to make it as realistic as possible. Right sure. now. We don't think that's going to happen. Right. Defensive tackle, Scott. Yeah, and, and real quick, I haven't seen any questions about it. I haven't looked at all of the questions, but but for those of you who, who might suspect or, or think the Bucks might trade up, 
for a player like Jermaine Johnson or or a player. I don't see that happening this year because they do have some holes they do, they need to fill and build some mm-hmm. depth. And it's important to have these rookie contracts for depth as you're paying all this money out to the likes of Ryan Jensen and Carlton Davis, et cetera, et cetera, Chris Godwin. So this team's going to need some of these draft picks. Without a, a fifth and a sixth this year already due to trades, I just don't think they have the capital, John, to move up. And Jason Light has not been one to borrow from the future in terms of draft picks at, like the Eagles and Saints are doing and yeah. in, involved draft picks there. So I don't see that, them having the capital to move up this year in the first round or even the want to. Right. Yeah, it's a good question for sure. Uh, Vortex asked, John, how concerned about the tight end room would you be if Gronk retires and what would you do to address it? At this point, there's not a lot they can do. They'll yeah. draft one probably regardless. Maybe it's a higher priority then, mm-hmm. but you try to get a free agent, maybe a Cal Rudolph, somebody who you know can step in and play even if right. they're not great. Just You know what they do, John? Standard, that's it. They go for wide receivers. That's, I mean, more. yeah, exactly. They do. Like, <laughs> you just you prioritize the firepower yeah. you have, and you get by with blockers. You play Cam Braid and Kyle Rudolph, and somebody. You know, that's yeah. You patchwork the room for a year. Like, there's no you know Correct. draft somebody at some point, have them contribute. It's it's not the end of the world. It just you yeah. know, obviously, it'd be helpful to have them. No question about that. But yeah. you got to do some work there, even if he comes back. You got to. They probably got to draft somebody, and there's a lot in this right. class. So, not not any stars, but um, you know chance to address it for sure so that's how i'd see it yep um good question here from salty buccaneer five dollar super chat salty we appreciate this am i crazy to think of the right defensive tackle db isn't there 27 we should trade 33 with jacksonville or any party let's uh, you know he says jacksonville yep. i don't think it's necessarily just limited to one to like there's trading back is definitely a possibility and we'll, we'll right. talk maybe more about that as we get to the end of this board mm-hmm. scott because people will see there's not necessarily a ton of names but yeah um defensive tackle uh mm-hmm. what do you think because i know we've talked about D yeah tackle. I, I think i think there's two you, guys right i i think yeah. that that Devontae wyatt would be For sure would be certainly a, a fantastic fit because he is that that quickier twitchier pass rush type of player Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Todd Bowles would would love to have in his nickel package, and, and therefore not have to step up and and uh, and you know try to manufacture a rush by kicking in a defensive end inside all the time. This is a player too that can stuff the run, three hundred and five pounds. So he's more of your classic three technique defensive tackle. The problem is, John, is he did have a great combine. He did play on that big name Georgia defense. He has a lot of buzz about him. He showed well at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think there's some momentum for Devontae Wyatt that I just don't think that he's going to be there at 27, especially in this defensive tackle class that is kind of top-heavy with three guys, and and then there just is not much quantity there afterwards. So I think that makes it more of a premium to pick a, a guy like Devontae Wyatt prior to 27. So I just don't think he's going to be there. And then what that would leave the Buccaneers – uh, at 27, and this is probably maybe a touch early for him, but if the Buccaneers wanted a defensive tackle, getting Travis Jones from UConn, this would be the spot for it. And this is mm-hmm. a bigger guy, kind of in the mold of Sue. You're not going to get probably more than six sacks at any point in his career should Jones develop. But this is your your big uh, 300, you know, 323, 6'4", uh, run stuffing defensive tackle. He's young. He does have a pretty good swim move. He did test well. He ran, a, I think, a 492 at the mm-hmm. combine. So this is not a uh, a run stuffing guy that, that can't move his feeder and, and block uh, cement blocks, and he's just there to plug a gap. This guy can, can do some things. It's just he's young. He's got some upside. He's not going to come in 
and contend for a Pro Bowl in his first or second year. He's a developmental player. But if you can get Sue back and you do draft this guy, then you've got a pretty good rotation that maybe means that you don't re-sign Steve McClendon, or maybe you re-sign Steve McClendon, and you know you, you have all those guys in camp, and, and probably McClendon might be a camp casualty. Yeah. But but I think those are the two options of defensive tackle. I think Jones is is more of a classic Buccaneer fit because they do put a priority on, on the on the the run stuffing ability. But boy, if Devontae White is there. He yeah. just brings a different dimension than what Todd Bowles has had in Tampa Bay since he's been here. Yeah, and Wyatt is the player that basically Bruce Arians described at the combine. He said, right. what are you looking for? What's the top priority? He was asked defensively this offseason. He said, interior pass rush. He was just straight up point blank to the point. Not many catches yeah. are. Love that Arians was, that he just made it clear, penetrating upfield type of player. Like, that's what they're looking for. Right. Well, Wyatt's and, really and Todd Bowles, to a like, upon hearing that, said, you're damn right. Yeah, and Wyatt honestly is still a good, very good run defender. Like it's not yeah. like you're getting sacrificed a lot either there, whereas you might for other players in the past that just give you one thing or the other. Wyatt's right. just a good all-around player. Can he be better in the NFL than he was in his college days? Yeah. For sure. There can be more splash plays at the next level. His right. focus will be important. His interviews will be important with the Bucs. If that part, which I cannot see, I talked to him at the Combine and the Senior mm -hmm. Bowl. He won the podium for sure yeah. at the Combine. was hilarious and charismatic, and right. you know he is just – He's, he's kind of like Nacho personality-wise, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. He calls himself the Energizer Bunny. That's what he says. That's exactly style, what he was. Yeah. Right. His play style suggests that he yeah. is. I, I, this was a lat, late breakout for him. He wasn't right. necessarily atop the boards for teams here, but he took advantage of this final year and played. I think one of the top players in the Bucks board right now. It's it's a guess, and there's some things I don't know for sure that like right. could scare the Bucks off. Work, you know, maybe if those things are red flagged with him, but just based on the tape and what they want. I think they'd love to just pair him with Vea for the next 10 years. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and we didn't mention Jordan Davis, and the there's a reason why, because he kind of is too, too similar to, to Vita Vea, and he just is not a factor on third downs. Georgia didn't even yeah. use him in there. The, the best right. defensive tackle Georgia had was Jalen Carter, who's a sophomore, number 88. I thought he was the best defensive tackle. He is a first-round pick next year for sure, maybe even DT1 coming out. Uh, and I thought talent, that Devon, no question. Yeah, I thought Devontae Wyatt was the second best tackle at Georgia last year. I watched every single Bulldogs game, and I thought yeah. Jordan Davis was the third best. Yeah, I hard to disagree with that. Although I'll say that Davis, for what he is good at, was the yeah. best. Like in terms of run stuffing, it is very watch who just completely immovable. I don't know if it's right. like at injecting his assignment a negative play against the run. Like that's how yes. completely dominant. So if you draft him, the one thing I'll say about Jordan Davis is, and I do not think the Bucs draft him. And I don't, I do think he'll be gone anyway. I don't think he'll get, he'll get drafted at 427 yeah. in my opinion. He changes for coming in. I put him going to, um, who did I put him going to? Uh, oh, Washington at pick number mm -hmm. 11. That's where I have him going. Just a little sneak peek for tomorrow's mock draft, 32 pick mock draft. Wait, and Washington. I'm going to watch it in the, yes. And the reason being, okay, I think that his presence on that defensive line with the commanders makes everybody else around him better. They lost Ionitis and they lost Tim Settle. So they're not deep at defensive tackle. They love yeah. to be deep. It's like Ron Rivera's right. favorite position. And yeah. those guys love drafting him. Well, they, Davis. They, they, got, they got Payne and they got Allen still. They, so. they have Payne and Allen, but Payne yeah. has been just, I mean, you're, you're entering his fifth year and he's right. just not been a consistent player. Yep. He was a better rusher than run defender last year. He's way better when you play him less snaps. If they put Davis with Allen, mm -hmm. elite inside. But not only that, nobody could double team Allen. You can't. Right. So now That's Allen true. gets better. Jermaine yes. Davis, who they took a first round pick on last year, playing mm -hmm. behind a block eater like Jordan Davis, which there's only like two of them in the NFL. 
makes him a better player. That's He's true. More free now to make. So that's the one thing about drafting Davis is that he himself might be just you know a solid player for the downs you need him on those. He's make other players around him better because you have to account for him with two guys a lot of the time. It's just a kind of a rare, odd fit thing. Matthew's talking about Adam Humphreys here, Scott. Did you think you see an Adam Humphreys question on the pod today? No, I did not. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I don't see him in, in Tampa either. Um, I just, I think they're going to draft a wide receiver at some point and that will, that will help solidify it. Listen, they, they already have a bunch of, of buck fits anyways mm. with uh, Brashad Perriman back, Cyril Grayson back for another year, et cetera. So I, I think they're going to draft a wide receiver and then yeah. I think they'll be down at the position because they've just, they've added so many other guys with, you know, with, with Russell Gage, yeah. bringing back Paramount, et cetera. Yeah. And Humphrey's just not really a, a fit for this. Right? He's not, a, he's not a two, two slot options. And now they're looking for guys that can play outside, I believe. Correct. Um, okay. I just, I agree with you actually on Travis Jones. We've gone back and forth about that. I, I think it could be a buck. Yeah. I think he could be um, linebacker. We don't think they'll take one in the first round. Pretty simple. Correct. I don't know if we want to even, address, I mean, there's, there's lots of good linebackers in this class. They could yeah. draft one at some point. Maybe we're totally sleeping on the position and we'll come back to you before the draft and say we changed our minds, but yeah, it would surprise me right now. You've, you've got starters in Devin White and Levante David. So getting your first round pick on the field is important, even if it's in a rotational uh, capacity. The Bucks aren't going to deep are, linebacker class, yeah, too. The, and they're, they're not going to rotate their linebackers, right? Devin White's yeah. going to play as much as he can in a fifth year option. And Levante David, you do not want to take that guy off the field at all. Right. Uh, okay. Cornerback uh, in the first round. This one's tough. This yeah. where it gets to the secondary, it gets totally tough to me. Not, not as much safety, but corner, like, right. Because, okay, first of all, we don't totally know what Logan Ryan's going to be, but it is clear from Bull's last statements that he does not see him as a direct replacement for Jordan Whitehead. That's right. good to get some clarity on that, I believe, because he's the guy that's actually going to be playing Logan Ryan. Jason Light gave Logan Ryan, but Lightning Trials, Ryan where he sees best. So Jason Likens, we see him safe. But if Todd Bowles says, we don't think he's a replacement for Jordan Whitehead, then he ain't going to replace Jordan Whitehead. He's going right. to be playing in the slot, which will be a lot of zone coverage, probably some. That would be my guess for him at this point in time. So you have one guy there, and you have your three corners for the Bucks that they have felt pretty good about. Like, I think right. oh, you and I have quite serious questions about Sean Murphy bunting. Yes. It really is not. There's not been any strong indication from the team that they feel the same way at this point in time. He's obviously not stayed healthy. Carlton hasn't Jamel Dean hasn't. If there's one reason why I think they'll draft a corner, it's just health of the group. Plus Dean and Murphy bunting right. going into their last years. Yes. But I don't know that this player would play a ton their rookie season, given the current exactly. construction of the group. And as you mentioned, that's consideration for a first-round pick. So I have no right. clue whether they draft a corner or not. Well, sure. the thing is, and Roger McCurry is was at one Buccaneer place at the Advent Health Training Center. There was a picture of him on Instagram with KJ Britt and uh, I think Jamel Dean or is it Carlton Davis? Yeah, like, it was Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean. Uh, so, uh, but boy, when you look at at Roger McCurry, he does not really fit the mold of what they're <laughs> looking for for an outside corner. Uh, the fact that he played at Auburn, yes, okay, he checks the Auburn War Eagle box, okay, but yes, that's but that's about, about it. it. <laughs> He's got small arms. You can see in this picture if you're watching on our our Peter Report TV YouTube channel. Uh, the, the video version of this podcast, you can see those short arms and he is just a hair under six feet tall. The bucks like corners, at least six foot tall. That's what Sean Murphy bunting is or taller six one and some change. That's what Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are. So he played an awful lot at Auburn outside. So you have to project him inside. And that's, that's a rough, 
projection, I think. So I'm I'm just not yeah. sure. He's, I mean, he didn't, but he barely played inside that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's I'm just saying. Pretty much an outside guy in a yeah, man. It would be a projection. dominant scheme. Yeah, right. It's and Scott, so, you mentioned length. You've mentioned it a ton. How much the Bucks value it right now? Yeah, McCreary came in at 190 pounds. That's in the 38th percentile for the corner position in weight. Then right. he had a wingspan of just over 70 inches. That is in the first percentile. That's on the bad end of things, by right. the way, for those. Yeah. That's on I the mean, short end. Yeah. Arm length 28 and 7 eighths. That's the zeroth percentile. Yeah. He would have this, he would essentially be in terms of length, bottom tier corner, probably last yeah. corner in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. Position. He has to be a slot because he does yeah. not fit their profile from a height or a reach standpoint on the outside. And then the thing is, is it's a, he's a projection, John, because he didn't play in the slot. He played on the outside at Auburn. So right. I, I I just and, yeah. I don't even know why they brought him in, to be honest. Maybe, maybe I don't either. And we're just going to have to make our call here. I just I, first of all, I don't think Roger McCurry is going to be a first round pick. I said today right. I will eat my hat if Roger McCurry is a first round pick. So that's how I feel about it. I just in today's NFL, this profile if we're yeah. in four fives, now, it doesn't get. Now, what you're saying is that you're saying a first round pick period, not just Tampa Bay. You're saying you don't think that any team in the first round is going to draft Roger McCurry. Any team, right? correct. Definitely. Okay. Bucks. Any correct. Right. So, so I, I'm just going to say, I, I, I personally want to keep him off our board unless you are strongly. No, opposed. I think he's a real consideration. I, the only thing that would make me think he's a consideration is the top 30 is the visit. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> but it could be at any point in the draft. I just don't think it's, Seven, like, would they consider him in the agree. third round? Maybe, but yeah. I just don't. He is just not going to get drafted this high. Like, I, I just, totally I, agree. I believe it. If I'm wrong, I'll come yep. back and I'll take the L. Um, corners we think will be off the board: Derek Stinley, Trent McDuffie, Ahmad Gardner. Yep. Corners that could be in consideration, perhaps an Andrew Booth or a Kyer Elam. Correct? They're outside corners. I don't big, think. I don't guys. think. Uh, boy, if they drafted Elam, I would have to have a conversation with Todd Bowles. And, and okay, talk say, to us. A lot of games. I would say, Todd, like show me on film where this guy likes to a make tackles, b run to the football, and and c be physical uh, outside of breaking up passes. So I I just I've seen too many games where this guy does not get off blocks on on wide receiver screens. He's just blocked too easily. I just don't like the the makeup. I I look at this guy and I think he is not a Bucks corner. So if wow. if Kyrie Elam gets drafted by Tampa Bay, I will be shocked because okay. I don't think he is a Bucks corner. Martin Emerson wow. from Mississippi State in the second round, sure, absolutely. What about in the first? Long. Not too, in the first. Too early. Not in the first. I, I, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think. So who do we have. got? Um, well, is, I tell you, Andrew who, Booth who we have. Yeah, I think Booth might be a fit. I, I think there could be a fit there. Uh, the other guy is is Daxton Hill. Now the, mm-hmm. this is a really interesting guy because. You know, when you think Michigan, of course, you think of Tom Brady. You also think of John Spitek, mm-hmm. vice president of player personnel for the Buccaneers. Go blue. But Hill is viewed as a free safety prospect. One of the fastest DBs in the draft ran, I think, a 4-3-6-4-3-8. And very cerebral player, uh, 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 all-academic player in the Big Ten. Um, just tremendous instincts. Uh, Good, very good, but not great tackler, but great in coverage. And he played in the slot mostly last year, played in the slot big time. So it's interesting that when you look at a player like like Dax Hill from Michigan, you could be getting a slot-type cornerback, a player with the versatility to go in there and challenge Sean Murphy bunting, but also play free safety too. And I wouldn't be surprised, John, this year without Jordan Whitehead, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a situation where where they have to 
move Antoine Winfield up to strong safety and look for a free safety. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Dax Hill's very interesting. You mentioned it, uh, really kind of a nickel um, in uh, in his college career. But he, yeah. you know, unlike a guy like Jalen Petrie, for example, he did play deep a little bit more. There's over 100 reps of him, just over 100 playing deep in 2019 and 2020 and then 80 last year, and he played in the box 132. So there's enough to make you think maybe he's at least practiced at it. He kind of knows the position a little bit. Most of his reps, though, 580 reps in the slot this past season. Yeah. So he is mostly a slot corner. They play a lot of man right. coverage. Um, you know, he good player. Um, Bucks probably will like him. He's very active, gets standards on a lot of I mean, I don't know. We'll yep. we'll we'll see, but we'll have him on the board for sure. Let's put him on the board. Let's put yep. Uh, booth on the board, maybe for under consideration for now. Yeah. And then I guess we'll, I'm trusting you on Kyrie because I haven't scouted him yet. I've seen some of his coverage reps. But yeah. That's about it so far. So let's put those guys on the board. I don't think we think necessarily that they're going corner, but correct in the first round, but there's some options there. Let's but move safety, over to safety. Yes. It's a different spot. Lewis Seen, we yes, think sir. He's in there. Yeah. We and had him Jaquan in Jaquan Brisker as well, right? I, I think so. Again, I was I was watching a lot of Brisker tape today, and yeah, one thing physical. I did—he's physical. I, he he tackles so high. Yeah. He, so does Seen. So does Seen. Yeah, I know, but I I I like the speed that that Seen has, and I just think that he that he just seems more like a Buccaneer fit. I'm not saying I would be upset if Brisker was the pick. Um, this mm. whoever the whoever gets picked at the safety position, whether it's Seen or Brisker or some guy later in the round, will have Todd Bowles's double thumbs of approval because Bowles was a safety. He values the safety position. Jason Light values the safety position. Look at drafting Justin Edwards in the second round back in 2017, uh, drafting mm. Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round in 2020, and then Mike Edwards in in the, the third round. Uh, back in 2019, so uh, I, I just think that that wouldn't be surprised if if the safety is is the the pick uh, for the Buccaneers in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lewis Seen. This guy was the the MVP of the national championship game. I like him a lot. Yeah, really good player, no question about it. Uh, and honestly, if you're going to invest in a position, the Bucks have shown that they are willing to invest in the safety position, Scott, which bodes really yep. well. And if you're going to invest your money, one place you want to make sure you do it is at our, with our friends at Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track. So you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Aim Uni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Everybody, we got we have to get to Colorado. And listen, the way to do that is not just going through a travel agency, but saving money for that trip, right? And and saving money for your retirement. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immuni Financial at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. All right, Scott. Way I counted, we got 12 players on the Bucks board. That's it for number 27. We don't have a ton. That's that's about right. I that's mean, probably that's, about that's what it is. Probably yeah. about right. Yep. Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, 
Christian Watson, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green at guard, Boy Mafe at edge, Devontae Wyatt, Travis Jones at defensive tackle, Andrew Booth and Dax Hill at corner, and Lewis Seen and Jaquan Brisker maybe at safety. And that's yep. how we have it. And from that yeah. point, we'll be seeing us probably draft basically in that sphere kind of in our yep. first rounds when we're at yeah, the they, Bucks. That's, that's a group picks. right there of players that we feel Tampa Bay will be honing in on. And you know what, John? About half those players aren't going to be there right by 27. Yep. So out of those Some of them 12 won't be, players, and probably one or two that we didn't think were going to be there will be. That's how the draft correct. goes. So you get yep. ready for the unexpected. No question about it. That narrows it down for you a little bit. It's all the time we have uh, for this show. It will narrow down the first round options for you a little bit. We'll be back tomorrow. Looking forward to it, getting into more of the box stuff. We're gearing up, talking a lot of draft. As always, subscribe to the Pewter Report TV YouTube channel. We appreciate you all jumping in and listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.